Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. God bless you. God bless you. Would you stay standing? Sorry to do that to you. Would you stand in? Sorry, just, just for the scripture on the screen. I'm going to read the scripture this morning for us. And... Uh, uh, this is just, just to honor God's word. His word is powerful. It's sharp. It's living. It says this when Jesus came and, you know, last words are important. This is some of the last words of Jesus to his followers that we're going to be looking at this morning because we're in a series about our vision as a church. And so this is what it says. It said, then Jesus came to them. That's his disciples. And he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Just catch that. All authority, not just in heaven, but on earth. I, he has all authority. And then he says, therefore, go, because you're on the earth. I'm about to leave the earth, but I'm going to give you something on the earth, and that's my authority. And if you're here this morning and you're a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, you have more authority than you know, I tell you. It says, therefore, go and do something and make Christians. Doesn't say that. Make disciples. But just think of the word in there the same as Christians. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Amen. Why don't you turn to someone next to you, take your seats and say, get ready for this. Get ready. (laughs) Have a seat. God bless you. My name's Brad. I'm one of the pastors here, and um, it's great to be with you this morning. And I'm going to uh, invite you now, a bit of a different sort of a message this morning. Um, I'm going to invite you to look to the screens for a short video. Put that down for a catch. A little bit farther out. I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word.
Brother, and the baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, I'm sorry. <laughs> Lift up your head, fisherman. <laughs> what do you want from me? Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. As well. Yes, you, James and John, come, follow me. I'll take the fish into market and settle up Simon's death. I'll get some help to fill both of these boats. Are you sure? Yes, go. What will you tell Ima? <laughs> We've just been called by the man we prayed for our entire lives, and you ask me what will I say when you miss supper? <laughs> go now. Yeah, cool. Okay. That's off the chosen, if you didn't know, where Jesus calls um, Simon and his brother Andrew and James and John to follow him. And we've got a calling. And there are people that are called in different ways, and we're all called to follow Jesus. I just want to take a moment before I get into the word, if that's okay, to pray over our chaplains, our youth care chaplains that we support, part of our mission here. And so we have, uh, we have uh, Abby and Mel, if you are here today. Can you come forward and could we pray over Abby and Mel? Um, oh, Abby's right. I'm looking at you right there. And Took, I don't suppose Took's here, but Took, I think she's away. But um, do you want to come up? And um, Claire, can you come grab the anointing oil, if it's okay? Can we anoint you guys with oil? Um, and Claire feels on her heart to anoint your hands and your feet. Your hands and your feet. I'm gonna, she's going to explain that in a second. But um, can you just tell us uh, where you chaplain and what you love about it? I'm at Les Medi Primary and everything. <laughs> I don't know, being able to be a positive light in, in the school and just someone that the kids are like, wait, I can talk to you about my lunch and what I did on the weekend. I'm like, yeah, you tell me about anything. And they're like, cool. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm at Edney Primary, so that's High Wycombe, um, and I'm fairly new, but I'm learning heaps that God's like putting in my pl- in my path and just being um, there for presence um, and just the amazing opportunities I get to have where I walk into a classroom and I have three kids that want to come up and talk to me about what's happened, um, and then it just just for them to be listened to and that's love, um, and yeah, we're building relationships there, and then they can get on and do. Um, do education things, so it's really, it's a privilege to be in the position. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. No, it is a fantastic ministry of presence. We prayed over our um, 
Kids Hope mentors recently and just over this month as we look at our vision, I just want us to get a sense of our heartbeat for community, our outward focusness. Claire, you want to anoint their hands and their feet? Sounds a bit weird, but um, I know what it's like being a chaplain and often you're not allowed to preach. So it's every aspect of you, your hands and your feet. People see the works that you do and that speaks louder than sometimes the words that come out of us. And so by anointing your hands, it's just setting them apart for the good works that God's going to do through you guys. And by anointing your feet, it's just a way of acknowledging that every step is a God step. Because you don't know the people that God's going to put into your path, but he knows the path set before you. And so every step you take while you're in those places is a step of faith. And God's going to shine as you take those steps through your willingness. Sometimes it's hard to step into those spaces. You don't know what you're going to step into. And a lot of people want to back away from those spaces, but you boldly step into them. So I just want to anoint your hands and your feet. Um, it's just, as just a symbolic way of just covering and knowing, saying Jesus is with you as you as you work, as he as as people see him through what you're doing, and as you take the courage to take a step. Awesome. And so, yeah, we, we believe in uh, using oil, as the Bible talks about, anointing oil. And we, we do that. We did it this morning beforehand with prayer for praying for healing. So, Claire, would you anoint them? And I'm going to pray. And we just anoint them. Would you pray with me and just join your faith and my faith? Father, we thank you for Mel. We thank you for Abby. Father, we thank you for, for Tuk, who's now stepping into chaplaincy and is in that process. We thank you for them. And, Father, as they go about uh, taking every step each day, Lord, as a ministry of presence, we ask, Father, that your anointing, your Holy Spirit be guiding them, filling them, empowering them, and giving them eyes to see, hearts to feel what you're doing, and hands to respond to what you're doing. We thank you that they uh, go out, Lord, and as we commission them, they're part of our church, but Lord, they're, they're, they go out as ambassadors for Jesus. So we just pray that you would uh, protect them as they carry heavy loads and as they carry the weights, Lord, as they come home from days of ministering out, would you be able to refresh their souls and restore them and fill them up, Lord, for the next day. We thank you for all chaplains in youth care and we just, as we support them as a church, we just lift them up to you, Father, the city of Kalamunda and beyond. And we pray that our schools would be, have the light of Jesus shined in them because of chaplaincy. And we declare it in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. Thank you. Put your hands together for our chaplains. Thank you, Claire. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, isn't it good to hear about some babies born this week? Amen. Congratulations. Whew. Some babies. There's some new uncles in the house. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's so exciting. And as it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual in our house. We're growing. So the church memberships are growing by two this week. Praise God. This is a growing church. And uh, But, yeah, congratulations to that, uh, to... Um, Beck and her family and Nick and, and Michaela. So exciting. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. Hey, um, also, I, I said it on the screen, but just to remember, uh, church camp regos are due. If you're coming to church camp and you have expressed interest, please make sure by today you have at least, even if, you, if, you, if there's financial difficulty, please let us know. Please let myself or Dave Francis give me a wave in the middle there. Dave Francis, let him know because um, we don't want finances to be an obstacle for coming to church camp. So please come and see us. Um, and if you have registered interest and you're not coming, good to let us know just so we can shuffle that around. By today would be great because it's coming around really quick. And also with Alpha, um, what was I meant to say about Alpha? 
Oh, yeah, today, that's right. So after the service, if you, if you are part of the facilitator group that we've reached out to to help facilitate on the tables, um, please, a quick meeting with Liesl and maybe me if I get there, there we go, after today um, to, to just go over tomorrow night. So can't wait for tomorrow night. Hey, be praying. We're really excited and, uh, for it. And thank you to, to those that are helping with food and thank you to those that are helping. And let's be praying about the, uh, you know, there's many people have made commitments recently. And so this Alpha is actually what I'm going to be talking about this morning in a way. So I'm going to go there. But let's, let's get into the Word of God. If you've got your Bibles there, your screens, your tablets, we're going to go to a few scriptures. But Matthew 4 would be a good place to start, Matthew 4. Um, but I heard a story of a young person eager to grow. That's the key word this morning, grow. He was so keen to grow in his Christian life that he wrote, got a bit of paper and he wrote out all the things he was going to do and all the things he was going to stop doing to serve God, to honor God. And I'm going to go to church every week. I'm going to pray, all these things. And then he went to the altar on one Sunday morning. He came forward to, this, to, to the altar stage, whatever you want to call it. I call it an altar because it's where lives get altered forever in Jesus' name. And he, and he brought this paper and he put it down and thought, God, this is what I'm going to do for you. And he just had no peace in his heart, so he took it home for another week, and he added to the list. He said, I'm going to do more. I've got to do more to, to, to grow and to serve God. And he added to it, and he went back to the, the altar and put it there, and he just had no peace. So he went to a, a, an older and wiser Christian friend, and he told him the situation and said, look, I'm, I want to grow. I want to do more for God. I want to do this, do this. And the Christian friend said, I can help you out. Give me your paper. He got the paper. He screwed it up. And he said, give me another bit of paper, a blank page. He gave him a blank page. He said, how about you sign the bottom and leave the rest blank and say, God, whatever you want, I'll go for you. And so he had peace in his heart and he took that to the altar. And I want to talk about this morning a subject called discipleship. Because discipleship is when we get to a place in our Christian journey where we're willing to sign the bottom of a blank page and say, God, do what you want to do with my life. I surrender to you. You've heard it said many times, God has a great plan for your life. But do you have a life for God's plan? And that's a big difference. God, I've got a life and I want it to be about your plans. This thing's called discipleship. Hey, um, you know, if you've been coming to Kalamunda for a little while, we're an outward focused church, gospel centered. And sometimes you can think, is that is all about? It's just about reaching people for Jesus. And I want to tell you this morning that we are also endeavoring to be more and more a place where we grow. It's a growth church. It's a growing. It's a discipleship church. And that's why Alpha has kicked off this year. That's why we're looking uh, next week at Vision Sunday to talk to you about what it means to move from a crowd to a community. That's why we have prayer. And if, you're, if you want to be a part of our prayer ministry, oh, so Warned my heart this morning to see young people on the balcony, some of the youngest people here up there at 7.30 praying over our church, praying for, 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 um, for lives, for souls, for this community. We want to grow in discipleship as well. It is core business to the church. In fact, uh, John Stott said this, our Christian life, sorry, no, I'm not going to quote that one yet. Anyway, it's our core business. And he did say this though, our Christian life began not with our decision to follow Christ. It didn't begin there but it began with God's call for us to do so. So I want to talk this morning about the call and the cost of discipleship. I think I've got some slides there. The call and the cost. In the Great Commission, which is not the great suggestion, but in Jesus' last words, he uses this word. If you could sum up Jesus' last words, and last words are so important. Can you go to the next slide, please? The last words are so important in the Great Commission of Jesus. And he, and he makes this statement. He says, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples. So that's why it is our vision 
that we don't just, it's not just about people coming to know Jesus, putting your hand up, saying a prayer, though that is our mission and that is our primary focus for people to know Jesus. But to grow and to go deeper is to be a disciple of Jesus. And it's not a sexy word, is it? Disciple. Disciple of Jesus. But when I read disciple in my New Testament, I just replace it with the word Christian and it really makes a difference to the context of Scripture. He says, I want you to reach the world for Jesus. But then he says this, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded them to do. Teaching them. And baptizing, by the way, we're going to talk about baptism in the next month or so and give you opportunity. Hey, baptism is the next step once you've received Jesus to get baptized and follow him through the waters of baptism. But then to teaching people is empowering them to live in victory that God would want them to live in. That's discipleship. That, that the church, yes, we are full of broken people and God is fixing us up. And God is doing restoring work, that restoring work. So great to hear the feedback of people that really felt God speak to them last week in this area of restoration, Restore 2024. And, and, and in that work, he's wanting us to become the victorious people that he's called us to, to be and teaching them. See, salvation is not the goal. Discipleship and transformation is where we're heading. It's not conversion. It's discipleship. It's, and so what, let's go, what is a disciple? Historically, disciples were common in Jesus' day. As we saw there in that video, a rabbi, a teacher would have pupils, would have disciples, would have, and the best word to explain them is they were apprentices. That's the best word for us to understand. An apprentice, somebody who goes into an apprenticeship, who goes into learning and learning the trade and learning and being taught the way of Jesus, the life of Jesus, to live with their rabbi. In fact, the pupils would even have the mannerisms of their rabbi because they would start to model their life around that rabbi. They would walk like them, talk like them, believe like them. And, and, and so disciples were these apprentices that would leave everything behind in their natural life to follow a, Jew, a teacher, a, a rabbi. And historically, catch this, this is really important. Historically, there would be young Jewish at the time because of the culture, uh, males, boys that were grown up in the, and trained in all the Jewish law, in the Torah, so well trained. They would be the best of the best. They were elite. They knew it off by heart, the Bible. They knew uh, all, the, all the ways to, to live. And they, the best of the best, the elite that was so religiously refined would be presented before different rabbis and it would be their life goal that a rabbi would look at these best of the best and say the words, come, follow me. And if that happened to a young Jewish man, man, they had made it. They were set for life. Their families were so proud of them. It's like, oh, look at our son. He's been chosen by a rabbi. Look at him go. Wow. But if you were not in the best of the best, if you did not get selected, you would go back to your family business and be rejected in that community of the elite religious, and you would work in the family business. Side note, discipleship and being a disciple of Jesus, being a disciple in the context of the day was never done in isolation. There was a community, a context of community with students and learners and pupils, a bit like a Bible college training. And that's why I want to say to you this morning that it's our heart here at Kalamunda and our vision that no one does discipleship on their own because you can't. 
Being a lone ranger Christian is not God's desire. In fact, God, when he created the earth, he said everything was good. But his one thing he said was not good. He said it is not good for man to be alone. The thing in all good creation is not good for a person to be all one. Al own, all one, to be on your own, to be isolated. And that's where the enemy wants you to get that sheep out of the flock and isolate you. That's not where discipleship happens. It happens in the context of community. And that's why we're a community family church here. That's why you need to be connected. And that's our heart and our passion. Someone once said this. His name was D.L. Moody. He said, church attendance or being part of a church is as vital to a disciple as a transfusion of rich, healthy blood to a sick man. Think about that rich, healthy, red blood that a sick person needs. They need it then, they need it. That's what he's saying, to be connected to a church. If you want to grow and go in the things of God, it's so important. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, have you say his name, said this, Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. Discipleship is the process, I love this, the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. And only a disciple can make a disciple. So we need to ask ourselves the questions this morning. Are we a disciple? Have I answered the call of discipleship? And to to my next text on the screen, Matthew 4, if you're there, verse 18, let's read this. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, this rabbi, catch this, come, follow Me, Jesus said, and I will send you out, this is my favorite part, to fish for men or fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, same thing, come, follow me. And immediately they left the boat and their father and the workmen, the other translation says, and they followed him. I've got to, just got to stop there. Jesus, the rabbi of all rabbis, the son of the living God, is calling people to follow him. Where does he find these people? In their family business. Why? Because they were rejected. They were not the elite of the elite. They were not the ones. He comes to these fishermen. They were outcasts. They were, and they said, yeah, I want you. And I've got some good news this morning that God comes to the, or anybody and somebody and he says, I don't care if you haven't measured up here. I don't care how bad life has got. I don't care if you haven't made it in this area. I choose you. I'll come to the shearing shed and I'll pick you out and say, oh, will you follow me? It doesn't matter how down you've got, how where you're at. God looks at you and he says, I can make a disciple out of that disaster. And everybody has got hope when it comes to Jesus. Even these fishermen in their nets and in their family business, like us. And you could see how the proudness of Zebedee's, my my boys are going with Jesus. (laughs) Whoa. And their day turned around. See, God doesn't call the qualified He qualifies the called. And I want to tell you this morning, if you haven't heard the call to follow Jesus, hang around Calamunda a bit longer and you'll hear it booming through some voices here that he's called you. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. God loves you and he's calling you to follow him. Amen. In fact, when I thought about this, what really blew my mind is, is this. Often we think of being a disciple is about having faith in Jesus. Don't we? We think it's having faith. I put my faith in him. I'm gonna... But could it be that the starting point of being a disciple is that Jesus puts his faith in you? 
He's like, I picked you. I believe in you. Whoa, what? And he calls you by name. He calls you by name and says, I love you. I pick you. Jesus called them to do what he can do. And I love that. See, when you would follow a rabbi, something would happen. He's going to say, I want to call you to come and follow me in such a way that you begin to do the things that I do. Wow. So when Jesus was walking on water and that same Peter that he called from the shores of water and then he gets out and Jesus is walking on water in the night and Peter sees him and Peter knows, that's my rabbi. That's the one I'm following. If he can walk on water, maybe I can walk on water. And he says to Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus doesn't give any details, doesn't explain to him how it's going to happen. He just says, yeah, Peter, come, because I am your rabbi and you can do what I can do. Because the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you, lives in you, lives in me. You can do what I can do. Peter gets out and he's walking on water. And it is my heart as a pastor to see a generation rise up and walk on the things that other people are sinking in. Come on. Walk on them things that other people are drowning in. They're drowning in this depression, anxiety, this whatever it looks like drowning in addiction, drowning in fear, drowning in rejection. But there's a Christian group from Kalamunda that rise up and start walking above that and saying, oh, you should see my rabbi. He can walk on this stuff. He walks across the things that other people see. You mean you're not sinking? You're not sinking? No, I'm not because I'm looking at Jesus. Peter did sink and I sink every now and then. I do. Do you sink every now and then? Maybe just take and think, oh man, but guess what the good news is? Jesus was there and said, hey, I'm still here. Come on, look back at me. And when your eyes are on Jesus, you can walk above other things that people would sink in. He says, come, follow me. This is the beginning of a life adventure. This was to leave everything. It says they left their nets and followed him. They left everything. And that's what it was to leave. This, 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 this scripture is kind of personal for me because it was in... It was at a shearing shed out in the, in the back of the shearing shed where I had a conversation with my dad and, it, and I said to him as a, as a business owner with my father and his hired workmen, and I said, Dad, I, wanna, I think I want to go to Bible college, but I also want to take over the business. And he said, well, you can't do both. <laughs> and I had to make a decision and it was the next morning where I got up and I opened the Word of God and that scripture come on where J, uh, J, uh, Zebedee's sons, it says they left their father and the hired workmen and followed him. I enrolled in Bible college that next day and said, oh, I've got to go. I've been called to go. And God is calling us to leave certain things. Maybe it's not to leave things for you and go to Bible college, but there are things in your life that will need to get left behind if you're really going to follow Jesus. There are things that you cannot hang on to, things you've got to stop trying to catch because he wants you to get attached to the greatest catch of your life. When I watched that video of the chosen and saw all them fish going into that boat, I felt God speaking to my heart. I don't hear him out loud. If you do, that's great. Tell me what he says. I often hear him in my heart. And I heard him say, Brad, that boat, that's a picture of what I'm going to do in Kalamunda. It's going to be so full. It's going to be so full. There's going to be all these fish coming in that you think you're going to sink. But don't, keep your eyes on me because you're just called to, 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 to catch men for Jesus. You're called to do this. Kalamunda is going to be a place where people come and we're, we're not responsible to clean them up. But this is a place where God can where God can disciple them, where God can grow them, where they can go deeper and discover their destiny. But it's going to be so full. Why? Is it because we want to be a big church? Yeah, we do. You know why? Because God loves people and there's a lot of them out there. This is going to be a pumping church of people that are coming to encounter Jesus and not just stop there. 
but grow to the next step, to the next step, to the next step. That's what we're committed to here. There was an ancient saying when a, a, a disciple, a, a person would start to follow their rabbi, and the ancient saying, they would get a blessing set over them and say, may the dust of your rabbi be all over you. In other words, may you walk so close to your rabbi that the dust, the dust, gets up and gets all over you. And that's our heart here at Kalamana, that we would not walk close to religion. We wouldn't walk close to tradition, but we're so close to Jesus that we're a dusty church, that this place is full of dusty people. Shake the dust off because we're getting so close to Jesus. May the dust of your rabbi be all over you. This is what Alpha is all about as we go into this next six weeks and then a break in six weeks of Alpha is that people grow in their faith, get a foundation, as you're going to hear about in term two, that as we move from crowd to community, that people have opportunity. And I want to say something. It's your responsibility for your growth. I will not stand before God and have to give an account for your spiritual growth. I'll have to give an account that I was doing what I, the best that I could do as, as a pastor, as a leader. And, I, and that, that's my focus. But he's not going to say, well, what about uh, that bloke you know, that never got involved in it? No, you need to be responsible for your growth and take accountability for that. So have you heard the call? Have you left the nets? And are you going after a new vision for your life? And if you are, then I get on to my final point, which is you will be counting the cost of discipleship. There is a cost of discipleship. There's the call, but then there is a, a cost of discipleship. And it says this, uh, Timothy Keller said this first. He said, most people want Jesus as a consultant rather than a king. And he does not come that way. Luke chapter 14, verse 25, the next scripture on the screen. Large crowds. See, Jesus drew crowds, but he knew how to draw them down as well. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be a Christian, cannot be my disciple, he says. And who does not, whoever does not carry their own cross and follow me cannot be a Christian, cannot be my disciple. See, we separate too much this, oh, there's Christ, I'm a Christian, but man, these other Christians, they're full on. <laughs> they're like disciples. They're really doing, no, no, there's no, there's no distinction. You know, I love the old preacher that said, you're a saint or you ain't. And it's not like this, there's, there's, there's like, you know, full on. We used to have a saying back in when I come on fire for the Lord. Oh, man, yeah, he's on fire for Jesus. And a, a, a really genuinely um, person older than me in the faith, pastor said to me, Brad, you're pretty excited, but I need to talk to you. You know, you, you're excited now. I was about 19, but it's like a honeymoon. He says, it wears off. Seriously, this is the best advice I could get at the time for spiritual counsel. And it wears off and like, you're on fire now, but don't expect it to be like this all the time. <laughs> and I remember going away thinking, what a load of rubbish. Like, this, we should be on fire all the time. In fact, the fire should be burning brighter as you get older because you've got more to celebrate. You've got more to rejoice in. You've got more history with the king. Come on. It's like, man, it shouldn't be wearing all the fire. The honeymoon? Honeymoon? I had a great honeymoon, didn't we? Should we go there? And, the, and Sky said to me, it's like a honeymoon every day. I'm lying right now and I need to repent of that lie. Okay. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. 
She does say some things like, I never know what you're going to say up there on the stage. And I often say, me either. (laughs) Anyway. Large crowds were following him, and he's hit this call to discipleship. And what he says here is, you don't have to hate your family. He's not saying you've got to hate them. He's using a form which I struggle to pronounce, hyperbole. I know a little Greek too. He owns a pizza shop, but that's different. Anyway, hyperbole. And he's using contrast to say, your love for God should be so strong that in comparison, your your affection to your family and everything is almost like hate. That he's using that as a contrast. We're not called to hate anybody. But Jesus is saying the cost to follow me, it's a serious cost. I come first. I come before your wife. I become before your husband. I become for your marriage. I become for your kids. I am first place and I'll have no other because I'm a jealous God. And that's what he's saying, that, that, that to be a disciple is to crucify the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. A.W. Tozer said this, A whole new generation of Christians has come up believing that, is, that it is possible to accept Christ without forsaking the world. I love that thought. It's possible to accept Christ but not forsake the world. That's just adding HBF to your insurance. That's just adding life insurance. I've got Jesus. I just tag him on. I've got a bit of a subscription. No, no. Jesus calls for total surrender, total commitment, leave the world behind. That I've decided to follow Jesus and doesn't matter though, none go with me, still I will follow. That's the kind of commitment that Jesus is demanding. See, salvation is a free gift, but discipleship will cost you everything. And at Kalamunda, we don't shy away from that. Am I perfect on this journey? No, I'm with you. I'm on the journey. And God's doing things in me that I know need to change and be transformed this year in 2024. There's things in my life that I know I've got to leave that behind. I can't go back to that net. I can't go back to that. I've got to leave it behind. And, what, and I know there's probably things for you the same way. He says, when you're a disciple, there's a couple of distinctions about you. You love God above all else. That's what he meant by that saying with the family. But then he says, you've got to take up your cross. And Paul talked about this, about taking up his cross daily. Dying daily. I like how Paul said that. He said, this, is, this isn't a one-off event. But you'll discover there are times in your Christian journey where you need to embrace the cross again and again and again and again and take up your cross and follow him. See, in this day that Jesus spoke, everyone who was around him knew what somebody who carried a cross was doing. If somebody was walking through Jerusalem with a cross on their back, they weren't going, they weren't going to play golf for the morning. They were on their way to be crucified. He knew that if you're carrying a cross, you are kissing your old life goodbye. And that's the type of commitment discipleship is, that you go on a journey of kissing the old life goodbye and you embrace the new life in Christ. Now, the good news is it's better than the old life. The good news is you don't want the old life. But hey, sin does have a sense of pleasure to it. That's what it talks about in the Bible, the pleasures of sin. They're fading, they're temporary. It wouldn't be, you know, when I, you know, being a sin, I think I was a professional sinner. I think I did a good job at sinning. I think I, and, and I didn't do it because I didn't enjoy it. Sin was fun for a time, but man, it bites like a snake and leads to death. The wages of sin is death. And when we embrace and allow sin to come in and get a foothold in our life and a stronghold in our life and to, to, to control an area of our life and we are totally surrendered to sin, the wages of that area is death. But praise God, the gift of God is eternal life. Praise God, He forgives, He restores my soul and He comes along as a good shepherd and He picks me up and puts me back on my feet and restores me to the flock. 
praise God. But people who are committed to discipleship are committed to the cost to say, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. My last scripture is Luke 14, 28. It says this, the cost. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down? Notice the language. Won't you first? Won't you first sit down? And estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it. For if you lay a foundation and not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. See that? He says, if you're going to build a tower, you're going to build something, sit down. If you're, going to, you're going to take on this life of discipleship, Jesus is saying, just sit down, and I'm glad you're all sitting right now. Just sit down and consider the cost. Consider that this is going to cost up. If your Christianity doesn't cost you anything, it's worthless. He says, consider it. And it's like a man who built a tower. He said, imagine just building a foundation and then everyone in your life looks at it and goes, what happened there? They drive past your life and go, that's weird, just this foundation. So in 2024, let's make a commitment that we're going to build on, that we're going to build up, that we're not going to, so we will count the cost and we will surrender to everything that God wants and leave the nets behind. It says, or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down? Love that. Won't he first sit down? (laughs) This king would sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming with him with 20,000 men. I'm doubly outnumbered. If he's not able, catch this, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and he'll ask for terms of peace. He wants to sit down and surrender. And and I love this thought that Jesus is saying, you know, if if you know that the best, sometimes the best and the most wisest option is to surrender. And he's saying, when it comes to God's will in my life, he says this to my heart often, Brad, wish you would just give up. Stop pushing against me. As he said to Paul, stop kicking against the goads. That's a whole other thing. But stop pushing against me. He said, just surrender. I've got a better way for you. You know, you're not going to overcome me. I love you too much. I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. I've got you, Brad. Surrender in 2024 to his will. Then verse 33, in the same way, those who do not give up some things, those who do not give up everything you have cannot be a Christian, cannot be my disciple. You know, Jesus is serious about discipleship and we need to be too about being an apprentice of him, about following him and about being... I love uh, the young adults this year with Joss and Kate and a part of their heart, and I won't speak for them because I'm going to interview them maybe next week, is that, that we'd have a generation set apart. Set apart. There's a difference about us. There's a difference. Yes, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. There should be some difference in our life and it should be characterized by a discipleship devotion to Jesus. And as we get on this journey this year, I want to encourage you that whatever the cost is, whatever you've got to give up, whatever you've got to leave behind, Jim Elliot, this famous missionary, said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Yes, amen. Tim, if you want to come back up and strum that guitar for me, I'm going to close with prayer. But I actually feel this morning, as on my heart, that... We always give opportunity and invitation for people who don't know Jesus to come to him. And we'll always do that. As long as I'm around, we'll always do that. That is so important. And, uh, and we've seen people come to faith in the last month, new Christians, and oh, praise God. And we, now, and we have a commitment to discipleship.
to transformation, to growth. But it's not just to them. There are people in this room who've been walking with God a long time. I'm pointing to myself. There's people in this room that have been walking with God for a long time and still need to count the cost, still need to follow the call of discipleship. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you're a Christian and this morning, you need to leave some things behind. This is the morning to do it. If God's speaking to your heart, and this is the morning to leave some nets and embrace the cost in your life. You know, I'm reminded of the story of Hernando Cortez. He was a famous, famous Spanish explorer. He was famous about 600 years ago, somewhere around there. Famous for one reason, but it's an interesting reason, because they were trying to take over Mexico, and they had all these expeditions to try and establish colonies in Mexico, and they could, just nothing would work. They were too strong, too strong. And this guy, Hernando Cortez, he decided, we're going to do this. He had 600 men, and he got on board their ships, and he went to the shores of Mexico, and he got to the spot where they were going to get him off. And he knew, and they were outnumbered in their battles, two, three to one. And he knew they were going to be outnumbered. He knew this was going to be difficult for them. And he knew they would want to retreat. So he did something interesting, and history records that he got all the, all the army, 600 men, off the boat. Got all the supplies off the ships. He got all these men to then turn around, look at the ships, and he ordered the ships be burnt. They burnt the ships and this group of soldiers watched their only form of retreat sink. And they knew from now on, there is no going back. From now on, it is only going forward. We have left our nets behind. We have left the old things behind. Behold, all things have become new. It is now time to go forward and conquer or die trying. And they conquered and they were outnumbered in battle, but they had something on the inside of them that every Christian needs. And it's a Luke 9:62 thing where it says, any man having put his hand to the plow, any person coming to Jesus and counting the cost and saying, yes, I'm going to do this. Any person putting hand, his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for service in the kingdom of God. And I'm preaching to myself, I want to be fit for his service. And my eyes have to be forward, not backward. My eyes have to be on the prize of going forward in Jesus' name. I cannot live back here. I cannot live and keep going back to that boat where I go back to that fear, where I go back to that thing, whatever it is. And we go back to that and well, I can retreat here. Not if it's burnt, you can't. Not if you've crucified it. See, you're not trying to make your life better. Your old life is dead. You're just trying to live in the new life of you. But maybe there's some things this morning and I want to encourage you to come down Come down to the front. I want to pray for us and say, you know what? I'm leaving that behind. No one needs to know what it is. I don't need to know what it is. But between you and God, I'm opening this up as a moment of an altar where we alter history and go forward in a new direction. But that thing, I'm just making a statement this morning. Would you stand with me? I'm just making a statement this morning that that thing, whatever it is for your life, I'm leaving behind. And, and I honestly, I don't care if no one comes forward. This isn't about me. This is your opportunity and the anointing here with the Holy Spirit to respond to God. I'm going to ask Tim to sing it. We're going to sing this song. A few choruses of you might know this song. Hope you know it. And while we're singing it, would you come forward to the front if you want to do business with God? And I'm going to pray a corporate blessing upon every person that comes forward to respond. Father, we come to you, Father, and I just pray for every person, myself included, Lord, that's coming and burning the ships. Father, saying goodbye to that thing in the past. We kiss a goodbye. We embrace the cost of discipleship to say, I'm not going to look back. But Father, I'm facing forward, 
for whatever it is in your heart. Right now, I just seal that with the Holy Spirit. I speak fresh power over your life in this fresh surrender. I, I speak the Holy Spirit filling afresh in your life. I speak victory in your life. And this morning, Father, I pray for every person. Special blessing from you as they make this stand before you, God. Bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, in this attitude of prayer as a church, lead us, guide us as we commit to salvation, transformation, and discipleship. Tim's going to keep singing this song for a bit longer. If you're here this morning, while every head is bowed and eyes closed, and you'd say, Brad, I've never received Jesus as my personal Savior. Never said yes to Jesus. And you want to do that this morning? Can you give me a wave so I can see you and I want to pray for you? If that's you, give me a big wave. If, I can, if, you, if that's you, while every head is bowed and eyes closed. Yep, see that one. Thank you. Give me a minute until I see it. God bless you. Anybody else? All right, I'm going to pray a blessing over us all this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. I pray that it wouldn't just be a word, but it would grow a seed in our life and fruit in our life. Thank you for soft hearts here this morning. Soft hearts. Father, we love you. We glorify you. Give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. We're going to keep singing, but if you want to go grab a coffee, if you want to remain at the altar for prayer, you want to just linger in God's presence, feel free. But I just want to formally dismiss you to say, if you need to go and grab a coffee, that's fine. Tim's going to sing a bit more, and we're going to worship if you want to remain worshiping.